Cougar Sports Saturday. It's complete. Another touchdown! Cougar Sports Saturday. Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again! BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Two hours from now, the Cougs and the Mountaineers will tip off in Morgantown. Pre-game coming your way in an hour, but lucky for you, Cougar fans, you have us. You've had us since noon until 3, and we're going to start pre-game a little early right now with the three-pointer. It's something we do on game days here where we dive deep to get you ready for the matchup with a key stat, some players to watch, some bold predictions. Let's start off, Mitch, with you and a key stat in the matchup. So the numbers for me to that are kind of interesting, 179 for West Virginia, 95 for BYU. That's the amount of free throw attempts each team has attempted in Big 12 play. West Virginia, number one at getting to the free throw line in the conference. BYU, dead last. They settle for a lot of jump shots, obviously. But now with a little bit more of a post presence with Foos, who was 4-4 of from the free throw line last week against Texas, you wonder if BYU can maybe get some calls to go their way you know, and, and get to the free throw line because West Virginia, especially with their full collection of personnel back now, they kind of feast on the line, especially in wins over Texas, Cincinnati, and Kansas, kind of the defining moments of this team this year that's only an eight-win team. You know, West Virginia has a losing record. They're about a 150 team in the net ratings, but at home they're tough, and they feast on the free throw line, so that's something to watch. BYU's got to be good at, I guess you could say, defending the free throw line. And to maybe counteract that, comes into my key stat, which is BYU is second in the country in made three-pointers per game. They're making over 12 of them a game. To me, if you do have a shorthanded front court with maybe Ali Khalifa not being there, he did not practice earlier in the week. On Thursday, yeah, he wasn't He wasn't practicing. Wasn't good, available. Good the flu. Wasn't available on Thursday. If he did not make the trip and isn't ready, I feel like you've got to counteract that with a lot of threes. And this team is certainly capable of it. But it's got to be consistent for 40 minutes. It can't be some explosive first half against Texas Tech and then you go cold. So, the, to me, these are the type of games where maybe you just go in saying, yeah, we're going to get inside the Foos, but we're going to jack up a lot of threes. And let's just cross our fingers. We shoot 37% from three and get out of here with a win. And I think it's, you know, you, you hear this commentary and people would maybe think that haven't paid attention to West Virginia to go, why are you guys talking about this game like that, it's because West Virginia again. They they've had this weird year where in the off season they fired Bob Huggins, who had a DUI. He had a he he said a a slur that got him suspended, and then he followed that up by getting a DUI, which ultimately got him fired. Then he sued, saying I never resigned, and then he backed off that. So Josh Eilert's the head coach interim, but they've had this weird year where they had some waiver requests. They were at the center of creating the lawsuits to open up the two-time waivers. Thanks, West Virginia. Hasn't helped BYU, but it helped them. They got Raekwon Battle uh, from Montana State eligible to play. They had Kirk Carissa, who was suspended for nine games. He's now back. Uh, Jesse Edwards was dealing with a wrist injury. He was someone that BYU recruited out of Syracuse. Uh, He's back and healthy. So this is a team that is 
eight wins only because they really haven't ever had their full collection of personnel. The first time they did was on Wednesday night against Cincinnati, and they won. And we know about Cincinnati, how good they can be. So I think that's why you kind of look at this game on the surface. This is not your traditional days of the WCC when you're facing an eight-win Pacific team, and you're like, if you lose this game, this is going to be embarrassing. No, West Virginia is a good team. I think they're going to win a lot more games down the stretch as they continue to get some chemistry together on the floor. Players to watch, though, for you, Matt. Anyone stand out in mind for you on the BYU side? Yeah, for me, it's Spencer Johnson. I feel like these are the type of games where if you're a little shorthanded, you're on the road, you want to rely on your experienced players to get it done. I thought Spencer Johnson had a really nice game against Texas. There are a couple of games in there in Big 12 play where he was not making shots. He was not effective. That Texas Tech game, he did not shoot the ball well at all. Spencer Johnson's a guy to me that if you're going to win on the road, when the conditions are not ideal, you don't have your full collection of talent, you need your experienced players to show up. So Spencer Johnson's got to play well. And then for the Mountaineers, you already mentioned him, but Jesse Edwards... 25 and 10 earlier in the week against Cincinnati. He's going to be a problem for this BYU team. And he also had four blocks, too. First time ever in West Virginia's history that they've had a player in a game have a stat line of 25, 10, and four. Jesse Edwards, really good player, six foot 11 big out of Syracuse. For BYU, Dallin Hall, to me, you know, earlier in the show, Jim, Jimmer Fredette, the great Jimmer Fredette, talking about how really Dallin's the only ball handler on this team. And when you're someone that uh, there's not really any depth behind Dallin at that point guard spot, his presence is critical, especially in a tough road environment. It's expected to be a pretty good crowd at West Virginia as that fan base is starting to believe that this team can maybe get on a run. And so I'm very curious to see how Dallin Hall performs. I think this is one where he's got to be big, and you talk about three-point shooting. Dallin's someone that when he's feeling it, uh, he can be a real weapon for BYU. And then on the West Virginia side, Kerr Carissa, he was someone that I heard a lot about when he was overseas in, I believe, Estonia. BYU was recruiting him. You talk about the uh, you know the the foreign international recruiting that BYU was really leaning in heavily on early in the time of Mark Pope. You know Cody Figure, who was on this show earlier today, he was making those trips to go visit Kerr Carissa, and then they tried to get him when he entered the portal after uh, this past off season when he left Arizona. So they really like Kirk Reese, and he's healthy. He's about a 10-5 and five guy for the Mountaineers, so that should be a good guard line battle between Dallin Hall and Kirk Reese. Bold prediction, I'll go first. Trevin Nell has not been the same player since down in Orlando. Had the injury, got moved to the bench, was sick last week. I know he played a little bit, but was under the weather in the win against Texas. I think he bounces back. They need his scoring production off the bench right now. I say that he has... Double-digit points off the bench for BYU against West Virginia. I like that. Have you been surprised? Do you feel like that coming off the bench instead of being in the starting five has really had an impact on his shooting? I think it's had a huge impact on him. think there's nuance to that? Some players, yes. Some players, no. It's obvious he hasn't been the same player since coming off the bench. And, And to me, Jackson Robinson already proved he can be effective off the bench. If the If the benefit is you put Robinson on the bench and he still plays the most minutes and finishes the game, yada, yada, yada. But if Trevanell can give you the double-digit scoring that you had to start Big 12 play, isn't that a, a net positive? Yeah. No, I, I, I'd put him back in the starting lineup, personally. I'm okay with that. I, I think Nell, when he's on fire, man, he's got to get back to what he was doing 
at Baylor, at at against Cincinnati. I mean, you, you can't expect nine threes every night, but he's a weapon. And BYU's got so many options when uh, they get on a roll, they can really fill it up, especially from three. And that's where my bold prediction ties in for BYU today. I'm going to go really bold. Say they knock down 45% of their three. Wow, that is bold. I, I, you if know, they I, do that, they're winning. <laughs> they do. They, so I'm going to say, now, do they get off the 30 threes? Because we did see last week Texas made it a huge priority to defend the three-point line. I have to think West Virginia is going to maybe take a similar approach and say, hey, we'll try to let them beat us they in the They won't be able to, though, because of Foos. I, I think the thing that we saw at the end of that Texas game is Foos is going to be a problem in the low post. I know they got Jesse Edwards to defend him, but Foos has become a better passer. And we haven't even touched on this all show. It's worth it's worth mentioning. The long rest period, only one game this week, yep. which hasn't even been played, that benefited Foos maybe the most to where a little extra time for him to keep recovering from the injury. So I feel like if you're going to sell out to, on the three-point line, Foos is going to make you pay down low. The midweek buys, too, are a new dynamic I learned in the league this year. The only reason it's it's a thing is because there's no SEC Big 12 challenge. So it's kind of a new dynamic because typically that took place in February, and that would occupy uh, a week, a mid a weekend. Now that's no longer an option. So it's created these midweek buys for teams in the league, which apparently was something not happening in the Big 12 conference. So BYU does come into West Virginia rested. I'd prefer the challenge, though, I think. Oh, yeah. It, how cool would it have been to play as we're seeing on TV right now? Texas A&M come to Provo, like that would have been cool to avenge the the days of DeAndre Jordan's <laughs> tally ooping over BYU in the NCAA tournament. Did you get that win? Uh, but yeah, B, I like I like that. So this is gonna be a good game, BYU West Virginia. But it's also a, a dicey one, Matt, because on paper and the advanced metrics and analytics, it says you lose this game, BYU. Uh, this is a quad three. It it could hurt maybe by a seed line. Your NCAA tournament status, BYU's projected by many bracketologists as a five seed, could drop them to a six because West Virginia's a and then you fall number one fifty Lake, right? Potentially, I, w- I would assume, but BYU doesn't have many options to turn to in that bracket with the Thursday-Saturday dynamic. That could honestly help their efforts to get to Salt Lake. All right, let's take a break. Let's get to some Mark Pope comments from earlier in the week. We'll break that down, and then at 2.30, Sam Farnsworth of KSL 5 TV. We'll talk some hoops. We'll talk some football with Sam. Stay with us. A lot more to go before we get ready for BYU basketball pregame at 3 p.m.